0: So this paper will investigate how the Association of Registered Medical Women, or ARMW, and its pioneering female membership strive in the campaign for change in the British medical profession between 1879 and 1916. I will argue that the formation of the ARMW was, in itself, a radical act of defiance, as it crucially provided recognition for a group of underrepresented and marginalised individuals. By championing issues which affected women doctors and their patients, The association positioned social and political activism at the centre of its work. So during the late 19th century, women had been fighting for their right to enter higher education and practice medicine for decades. Prior to the opening of the London School of Medicine for Women in 1874, all female medical students had to attend a foreign university in order to gain their degrees. Graduates could only then legally practice medicine in Britain if they passed additional examinations and were licensed by a professional body. In 1879, there were only 14 women on the British Medical Register. These women had miraculously overcome the numerous barriers put in place to keep them from joining the male dominated profession. However, their fight for professional recognition and equality was far from won. In spite of being duly qualified to practice medicine, the British Medical Association or BMA did not officially permit women doctors to join as members until eighteen ninety-two. Prior to this, Elizabeth Garrett Anderson had been the only female member, having been discreetly accepted to the Paddington branch of the BMA in 1873. Once Garrett Anderson's membership became public knowledge two years later, a resolution was passed to prevent any further women from joining the association. Medical women were, therefore, not only few in number, but they were also barred from joining the largest body of doctors in the United Kingdom. This meant that they were precariously isolated with no professional recognition or support. Emboldened by the BMA's refusal to admit women as members on an open basis, Garrett Anderson and her colleagues decided to take matters into their own hands. In 1879, the Association of Registered Medical Women was founded as a representative body of women doctors. The ARNW provided medical women with the opportunity to share knowledge and expertise and create professional and social networks. This combated their isolation and ensured that their voices were heard and their interests were represented. The association held annual and later monthly meetings for its members, which typically included the sharing of papers on a variety of medical subjects and the discussion of interesting or difficult cases. Members would often bring their patients along to meetings in order to establish a differential diagnosis or to showcase their satisfactory recovery. Meetings were initially held in the library of the LSMW for six years with subsequent venues including members' homes, hotels and the new hospital for women. Now, the new hospital for women was founded in 1872 by Elizabeth garrett Anson and was formed with the specific purpose of giving women doctors the opportunity to achieve positions of responsibility from which they were otherwise excluded. It seems fitting that the meetings of the ARMW were held in such groundbreaking surroundings. The formation of the ARMW was therefore, in my opinion, a radical act of defiance, as these pioneering medical women refused to be silenced instead forging their own path to equality and acceptance within the profession. In 1881, the association's resolve to ensure that medical women were integrated within the profession was tested and the International Medical Congress, which was due to be held in London that year, refused to permit women doctors to take part in spite of their qualifications and experience. One of the first resolutions of the newly formed ARMW was to send a letter to the organising committee to argue against this decision. They protested that, as there are now the names of 25 women on the English medical register, practicing medicine, the interest of medical science will be best served by excluding no one on the ground of sex. Despite the association's best efforts, the organising committee refused to change their stance. Now this photograph taken at the conference sort of says it all really. <laughs> I think we have all heard of a but here's a prime example of a 19th century maleference. There's not much diversity in that picture. Um, so, faced with their exclusion from the international gathering, the ARMW once again decided to take decisive action, organising their own uh, international garden party in an act of retaliation. The event, which was held in the gardens of the LSMW, was attended by over 600 guests, with members of the ARMW acting as gracious hosts. The garden was decorated with international flags. A band played, and the sun was said to have shone brilliantly all day, making the event a resounding success. So as the number of women on the medical register grew exponentially at the turn of the century, issues surrounding equal pay and professional opportunities were at the forefront of the ARMW's work. Appointments outside of hospitals run by women were extremely limited before 1914. Elston notes that in 1907, 60% of house posts held by medical women qualified for less than four years were either in hospitals run by women, or voluntary hospitals for women and children. When positions as medical officers in asylums and schools did arise, the pay offered was often significantly less than that offered to men. And because women could not afford to turn such opportunities down, these posts were routinely oversubscribed. Arguments surrounding the inadequacy of women doctors treating male patients, as Anne has mentioned, continued well into the 19th century, which resulted in disadvantages when it came to promotion, as a lack of experience on male wards was rather ironically used against them. For example, in Manchester, the, the governors of the city's infirmary refused to appoint medical women to a resident post until 1935, arguing that, that there was not a sufficient number of women doctors. To warrant the expenditure associated with providing separate accommodation. The ARMW urged its members to refuse jobs which had evident pay discrepancies because not only did they insult the expertise of medical women, but they also contributed to, the, to their continued unfavourable treatment within the profession. In a letter published in the Times from 1908, the ARMW asserts that as women are equally bound as men by the ethical laws of the women practitioners should, under no circumstances, accept a lower salary than that which has been agreed upon by their profession as a minimum. As medical women have had exactly the same training and education as medical men, it is difficult to see on what grounds a different scale of remuneration would be justifiable. By refusing to accept salaries that differed from those offered to men for comparable posts, The ARMW hoped that public bodies and hospital boards would realise that they they could not simply employ women for cheapness sake and undermine medical women in such a fragrant manner. (coughs) In addition, the association worked closely with the British Medical Journal and the Lancet to ensure that they did not advertise any positions without prior consultations which seemed at all suspicious as regards to salary. Medical women were expected to remain in professional solidarity with each other and to remember the personal and professional sacrifices made by the pioneers who, who had come before them. Now, as Anna's also mentioned, in later years, the Medical Women's Federation took their campaigning a step further by adopting a hardline policy to ensure that its members only accepted positions which were fairly paid. So, again, as, <laughs> as Anna's mentioned, the committee personally contacted anyone um, who undermined their authority and named and shamed them um, and urged them that a woman who has betrayed her professional brethren, past, present, and to come, cannot expect the support of her colleagues or of professional organisations at any time in her career. Despite pay inequalities continue, continuing to exist in the medical profession to this day, the ARMW made significant headway in the fight for equality for its members. This was only achieved because of their consistent and unwavering activism which resisted the widely held belief that women were inferior medical practitioners. Given female doctors and men struggle to enter the medical profession and their ongoing issues with professional inequalities, it's unsurprising that men also supported the fight for women's right to political representation. The ARNW's first engagement with the suffrage movement was in November 1908, when the Executive Committee sent a questionnaire to every woman on the British Medical Register to ask their opinion on the enfranchisement of women. A total of 553 medical women responded to the question, are you in favour of women's suffrage, with 538 answering yes and only 15 answering no. Such an overwhelming majority for an entire profession of women sends a clear and defined message to the Prime Minister. The committee sent the results of the questionnaire to number 10 and concluded their deputation request by emphasising the unique position of medical women's comments on a matter which affected not only themselves but also their patients. We venture to submit that these striking figures show that the practice of our profession, which gives an intimate knowledge of the conditions of all classes, leads to the conviction that the enfranchisement of women is essential to their well-being. We therefore ask for an opportunity to present the subject to you from a somewhat different point of view. Social issues such as poverty, poor housing, prostitution were contributing to the ill health of women and their children across the country. Medical women felt strongly that giving select women the right to vote would eradicate these problems and would greatly improve the well-being of the entire sex. The ARNW therefore earnestly sought the opportunity to share a distinct social medical perspective with the Prime Minister face to face. Asquith's reply was not, however, the response that the ARMW were hoping for. In spite of the influentially signed nature of the deputation request, the pressure of public business prevented him from receiving the medical women in person. The Executive Committee took this rejection in their stride, and responded with a comprehensive statement outlining the reasons why giving medical women the vote would have so- such far-reaching benefits. The ARMW asserted that, In the course of our work, we come into contact with many classes of women and we have special opportunities for realising the disabilities which attach to their lives through a lack of effective representation. We see at close quarters the lives of the unpaid, the unemployed and the exploited, and we recognise that closely associated with the economic condition of women's labour is the whole question of prostitution with its attendant evils. We claim for all women that the women's point of view should be represented in the legislation of the country. We are convinced that the possession of the vote would exercise a stimulating effect on all women. Medical women were united in their opinion that the enfranchisement of the female sex would have widespread social, moral, and medical benefits. However, once again, the Prime Minister was not convinced. He failed to reply to the Executive Committee's second letter, which served to chasten the Association's interest and involvement in the subject. Having ensured that their exchange with the Prime Minister was published in the national newspapers, the ARMW remained silent on the issue of women's suffrage for a further two years. In November 1910, the association once again sent a letter, this time signed by 404 medical women, to the Premier expressing their opinion that the final stages of the Consolation Committee's bill on women's suffrage should be allowed to pass. They urged that the dignity of the House of Commons would be diminished if the justice of the claim made by women for the parliamentary vote continued to be ignored and reiterated their view that as taxpayers and responsible members of society, medical women were especially entitled to have a political voice. Once again, Asquith failed to reply to the Association's letter, which led to the Executive Committee's unanimous decision that no further action in the suffrage matter should be taken. Whilst the ARMW had no further involvement with the suffrage movement post-1912, they did not stop fighting for the rights of medical women and their patients. Throughout the First World War, the Association rigorously campaigned for the rights of medical women working under the War Office. These women had no recognised rank and often had to contend with inadequate working conditions and a lack of respect from male colleagues whilst posted overseas. In 1917, as the war waged on and medical women working for the army continued to be undermined, Local branches of the ARMW resolved to join as one cohesive unit in order to better streamline their campaigns for equality and change. In a letter sent to all women on the medical register, Jane Walker, then president of the ARMW, proposed the formation of the Medical Women's Association, which was later changed to the Medical Women's Federation. Walker asserted that, the work of medical women is becoming daily more needed and more appreciated In the view of the call on the whole profession, it is felt that every means should be taken to organise such work, in the interests of medical women, of medical men, and of the nation as a whole. It is earnestly hoped that every medical woman will join the association, because it will be looked upon as a responsible professional body, able to to voice the opinion of medical women on matters of public policy. The stronger the organisation, the more useful it will be. As I have outlined, campaigning for the rights of medical women and their patients was at the heart of the ARMW's work. The MWF sought to continue this legacy on a larger scale by expanding its influence and strength in order to fight for the social and medical interests of the entire nation. So, in conclusion, the ARMW engaged with different forms of activism throughout its 40 year history. Challenging the patriarchal norms which sought to keep women out of the medical profession and confined within the domestic sphere. Once qualified, women doctors continued to fight a fierce battle for acceptance, recognition and equality. In 1916, the ARNW boasted a total of 230 members. Whilst this only represented a mere quarter of the women on the medical register at the time, it's worth remembering in what context the association was founded. Without the relentless activism of the ARMW and its pioneering membership, medical women may still be waiting for their invitation to join the Old Boys Club today. Thank you.